it was extremely well paid and you didn't have to do a lot of work, which is like the absolute dream. But also you're working in TV. There was so much downtime and, you know, for an hour's work in, at 10 o'clock in the evening, you had to be there at 10 o'clock in the morning. You know, there was a lot of doing nothing. And what I chose to do with that was, was, was drink. This is Not Quite Alcoholics, with me, Rory Kinsella, a meditation teacher, sober coach, and the creator of We Meditate to Quit Alcohol and the Six Steps for Not Quite Alcoholics. If you're considering changing your relationship with alcohol and are looking for tips, advice, and inspiration, you've come to the right place. Not Quite Alcoholics, how to go alcohol-free before rock bottom. Today, I'm joined by the legendary Jamie East. Jamie is a TV presenter, broadcaster, journalist, and singer-songwriter based in the UK. He's presented Big Brother spin-off shows, radio shows for Virgin and Talk Radio, and is currently the host of Smart 7, one of the most popular news podcasts on the planet with over 8 million downloads. In the 90s, Jamie was the lead singer of the almost big time, The Big Beekeepers, but I know Jamie from his time as the infamous gossip blogger and scourge of the celebrities in the 2000s, Mr. Holy Moly, when he was my boss in London during the one of the many big drinking periods of my life. Mate, it's great to have you on the show. I'm so proud to be uh, part of that period of your life. <laughs> uh, the same could be said for you. You were part of one of the great drinking periods of my life as well. You know. Well, yeah, so I was going to I've got fond memories of our time in um, Chelsea Wharf, and there's two stories. Have you? Yeah. Well, okay. some I'm interested. I'm interested. Yeah. Go, <laughs> go for it. Go for it. Yeah. So my two things that I remember are one is, and this comes up on Facebook every year, as you may remember. We we used to have the hangover hat of shame, which <laughs> <laughs> whoever came in hungover, which was either me or Matt, one of our um, producers. Um, and I remember the one time that I had to wear it was I went on this huge bender and missed work. And it was about midday when I woke up just with this feeling of utter panic. And I looked at my phone and there was like 20 missed calls from you. And I just remember um, that, yeah, it was it was just, you're only you're only pissed off because it was a Friday and Friday was the mail out day, which was the yeah. big business day. Yeah, <laughs> and it was yeah. kind of assumed that if it had been any other day, it would have been quite funny. Yeah, but the other funny incident I remember is <laughs> I know uh, what this is going to be. I already know what this is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> so I was sent on assignment to Munich to cover the uh, MTV Europe Music Awards, and I'd been entrusted <laughs> with the Holy Moly Mole, which was this yeah. glove puppet which we placed in sacred glove, sacred hey? glove puppet, sacred glove puppet, sacred glove puppet. Yeah. So, so I was there at the awards on the red carpet getting photos of the mole with like Craig David and Dave Grohl yeah. <laughs> where all these like serious journalists standing around and I'm just sticking this <laughs> puppet in. So then I go to the after party and I get horrendously drunk and I lose the puppet. Now I can't remember if I've com confessed this before or not, but when I got back to London, I pretended that I just left it at home and then I actually found a replacement on the internet. And brought this in is like the story of like the parent replacing the goldfish <laughs> while the kids are on holiday. And I presented it as if it was it was like this changeling 
um, Bob Poppet, <laughs> which I presented as the old one. So yeah, I'm guessing wow. confess, confessing my sins. Okay, well, it, you know, ten years, ten years later, you're forgiven, my child. Forgiven. <laughs> I, all I remember from that, I remember there was just like a ser- you were you were you were tasked with keeping a photo diary of of the mole's evening, yeah. And it started off like the mole just like getting ready in the hotel room, and all kind of like pre drinks, kind of all nice. And I believe the last photo that we found on your camera was of you insinuating that the mole was snorting some class A <laughs> drugs in some Munich bar somewhere. And that was the last anyone saw of the mole. And then he appeared like a couple of weeks later, suspiciously clean and <laughs> uh, kind new. of like replendent in his yeah new nose and new eyes, like Woody in Toy Story 2. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate. Um, yeah, they were, they were just insane at times. Like that was certainly the start of my... I guess, or certainly the catalyst for a lot of my bad behaviour and a lot mm. of my 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 alcohol problems weren't didn't start then, but certainly I think both being the boss and also being the boss of a company and a and a and a and a, and a media kind of thing that was synonymous with bad behaviour and the ethos was very much kind of like, you've got to be in it to kind of talk about it. And, you know, it was, we parted harder than the people we wrote about. And Mm. that was, that was kind of how, how it was positioned, which was, you know, clearly a lot of fun some of the time, but I would, you know, I look back at a lot of the decisions that I made, not only kind of like on a, on a base level, but, you know, business decisions, I was probably a fucking nightmare of a boss to work for. Not necessarily because I was horrible, but just because, just chaotic. You know, it was just it was just absolute chaotic times. We ended, you know, it was, it was slightly accidental that it ended up as a business. You know, mm. we won this contract from Channel Four, who are a big broadcaster in the UK, to kind of run all their music sites, and it was at the time I think like the second dot com boom. So they like paid us, I don't know, like four hundred thousand pounds a year to run their music website which I'm we just doing just doing the sums in my head about what everyone would have got paid <laughs> oh mate there was no money left trust me there was no one no one got rich off the back of that um uh it was you know we had we had like 10 staff we had like offices just off the king's road in chelsea like we had sinclair c5s we had yeah we had many many afternoons that were just descended into let's just go to the pub and and it wasn't just like the pub where everyone just sat and had a pint i can remember like ordering like 10 bottles of pink champagne just because it was just nuts very much of its time that era and will never ever come back i don't think i hope so thinking about after those times when was it that you realized that your your life would be better with less alcohol or without alcohol when when did that come around quite a while actually i think I think through lack of kind of planning and and whatnot, what basically happened was I think after um, I think long after you'd left anyway. I can actually. Uh, when did you leave? You didn't come to Charlotte Street, did you? Come to Percy Street? No, two thousand. No, you. Yeah, you left. So we kind of moved offices. I then sold the company to Endemol, um, and we moved into their offices in Shepherd's Bush. And part of the deal with me selling the company was that I went and did some work on Big Brother in the UK for them and ended up co-presenting a bit on the side, which was 
in some ways like brilliant but but also absolutely horrific for for someone with with any form of addiction addictive kind of tendencies or, or or slightly kind of chaotic lifestyle it afforded you know it was extremely well paid and you didn't have to do a lot of work which is like the absolute dream but also you're working in tv there was so much downtime you know it was it was in l street which is like uh middle of nowhere and just on the outskirts of, of the M25 outskirts of London. And, you know, for an hour's work in, at 10 o'clock in the evening, you had to be there at 10 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, there was a lot of doing nothing. And what I chose to do with that was, was, was drink. Um, yeah. So I think it was a long time after, you know, I didn't, I didn't go sober until 2000 and um, what are we now? 21, 20, 18, 19, 20, 20 17. Yeah, 2017. Um, I'd had kind of brushes with 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 panic, I guess, before then, or I'd certainly, I certainly knew in the back of my mind a long time before then that 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 this wasn't doing me or me any favors and and wasn't helping the people around me, uh, either professionally or personally. But it, it took a long time for me to make that decision, and it you know I was fortunate enough not to have like a horrific rock bottom or any form of dreadful kind of intervention. It was something that I was fortunate enough to be able to, a decision that I was able to make make by myself. So, um, which I'm grateful for. I think yeah. I caught it just in the nick of time. And that's one of the things about this podcast, sharing stories of people who didn't wait until rock bottom, which, yeah. is, which is, you know, what many people think, oh, it's that drinking vodka for breakfast type, mm losing your whole life that's the time to do it but you can make that elective choice to to improve your life yeah and it's it's a really difficult one it's really tricky to make because we read all the horror stories or if you, you know we all read the horror stories of you know waking up in some latvian brothel or you know without your passport or getting the shakes or you're the you know, the school teacher that pours everyone, everyone had the school teacher that poured vodka in the coffee cup, um, which I think is really unhelpful. You know, clearly those, those instances do happen, but they're the exception. They're not the norm. Um, more and more people I think are more like me who just get caught up in this maelstrom of weariness and boredom and the cycle of really slow, gradual destruction and and it all borderline unnoticeable really and it's not until that's why i think things like sober october i don't know if you have them in australia have that in australia but we have it over here sober october you know people raise money for charity by not having a drink for a month which is absolutely fucking nuts when you think about it um <laughs> and it's not until you do those kind of things where it's just like oh wow it's like cleaning your glasses after a yeah. long day it's like holy shit is this what other people feel like? And so those those kind of breaks, you know, dry January, sober October, even though they don't really help in the long term, you know, I think for people with drinking problems or with a drinking problem they may not be aware of, it, it just gives you a little nudge to kind of go, Yeah, this is this is what it this is what normal people feel like every day. Yeah. Um, which I was quite keen on exploring. So was that your route in? Did you do a month off? Uh, I did. Yeah, I did. I'd done dry January, which is just, which is just you. It's a false, it's, it's just crap. Dry January, it's just like, everyone should do dry January if you're a drinker because Christ, you know, it, December 
is the perfect smokescreen and disguise for anyone with a drinking problem. It's the only month that you don't have to try and hide anything. Um, So most people, I think, are grateful of January. I think October is slightly different. But also, again, and I think the Aussies are pretty much entwined in the drinking culture as much as as much as the UK is. You know, I look at October and I think, yeah, someone's chosen that because it doesn't interrupt the Christmas festivities. It's almost seen as a warm up. To, yeah. to kind we, of may we have we have dry July here because it's middle of winter. There's nothing going on, right? Exactly. So it's picked at a time where it's just like you know we're not going to do it anyway. So why don't we just call it dry July or dry October? Yeah, yeah. So I think it, I did sober October the year before just to try it, just and and loved it, um, and was was kind of almost pissed off when I started drinking again, and then the following year I think it got to like maybe July August time. And I knew October was coming. I thought, right, I think I'm done. You know, I th- I'm pretty much done. But didn't want to say it out loud because people are scared to say things like that out loud because it, it sets you on a pedestal. It kind of, you'd knock it, you're setting yourself up for a fall. Um, so I did sober October and just thought, you know, actually the easiest way is to do it and then just carry on and make no big deal out of it. I didn't want to kind of, stand there in the living room making a tearful proclamation to anyone i just wanted to kind of get on with it so that's what i did i just said i'm you know what i'm just carrying on for a bit and then after about another month people are are you still going i said yeah i'm done actually i think i'm i think that's it they were like yeah fuck (laughs) not jamie you know that kind of thing (laughs) which is which is kind of funny but also kind of worrying and then as it progressed you know i would say actually I had a problem. And what was worrying at that point was there weren't many people that went, really? You know, everyone's like, yeah, 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 correct. <laughs> yeah. So um, that kind of leads into this question of, yeah, how how did you cope with those around you? Because as, as a, having had such a sociable party style life, as did I, many, many of the friendships are based around drinking. And as you hinted, a lot of people don't, don't take it very well and no. sometimes that's because we're putting putting the mirror up to them how did you yeah. navigate that um pretty much head on i think um i'm not the kind of person that kind of shrinks away from from stuff anyway and i quite enjoyed telling people i enjoyed that reflection yeah. um i found it quite amusing and and really interesting to watch um, because people are, people have two reactions. They, they have the reaction of kind of like, um, oh, they, they immediately launch into their own story. They can, they, they immediately forget that you've told them that you've done a big thing yeah. and immediately tell you, talk to, talk to you about them and their relationship with alcohol. And it's normally one of two ways. It's kind of like, it's like, they always go, yeah, I kind of. I do sober October, I do dry January. Yeah, I, th- I really need to kind of calm down, you know. Or they get very, um, sorry, there's three ways. Or they get very defensive um, and immediately start mourning the old you that they've lost. Mm-hmm. And the third way is that they'll kind of like listen to you, go, okay, great. And then maybe two days later, they'll text you going, yeah, I think I need some help, which mm-hmm. is, which is, which is which is brilliant um but in terms of you know i would say 
I've lost probably half of my friends or half of the people I used to knock about with. And I'm absolutely fine with that. Yeah. yeah. You know, because, because, you know, it didn't take long for me to realize that, that, that I was obviously clearly only popular to these people because I turned up with the party. Yeah. You know, so if they're not interested in a dog walk, then if they're, if they're only interested in meeting me in the Groucho and not going for a dog walk, then <laughs> yeah. you know, you're not a friend. And I think that's good for people to hear because people are like, they think that they're failing in some way if they let friends go, but it's a natural thing. And if you look at the friendship, like you said, only existed in that context of we're at the Groucho, you're paying, yeah. then what kind of friendship is it? Exactly. You know, you're the, you're the kid you're the kid at school who, who swaps the Pokemon cards too eagerly. You know, you're, you're just, you're, in, in, in essence, you're buying friendship with your yeah with your destructive behavior and with your kind of like, you know, because as most people who've got problems with their drinking will attest, you're the person in the bar that's keeping the party going. You're the one that's buying that extra round to keep people there. You're the one that's encouraging people to neck it a bit quicker because you've necked yours a bit quicker. Mm -hmm. You're the person that at the bar that buys an extra drink for yourself so that you can drink it while the bar person is pouring everyone else's drink. So you still go back with one drink, you know, so you are, you engineered this, mm -hmm. this relationship, you know? Um, and I think the difficulty you have, you have to accept that you're going to lose friends, but they're not friends. They're acquaintances. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to say goodbye to, to a part of your life that actually you won't miss one bit. Um, yeah. And, but the difficulty is that it's very abrupt. You know, it's not like normal friendships or normal relationships that, that ebb and flow or, or just gradually die away. You know, it's abrupt because you're removing yourself from a big part of your life. You're, you're no longer at 1am, you'll be asleep, mate. You won't be yeah. kind of in a cab onto the next party. So you immediately just remove yourself from an entire section of your lifestyle. Um, so that's the difficulty, I think, but you just, you literally stare, you, you stare it in the face and, and move on. And during this pro process, did you, did you seek help? Did you read books? How did you, did you white knuckle No, it? I think, so I've been sober four years and for the first two years, I just did it on my own quite belligerently, you know, wasn't really, wasn't anti help or anti talking about it. I wrote an article after about 18 months that uh was was published in the sunday times um yeah, I remember that. which which was i guess my declaration to my family and those closest to me before then it'd just been kind of like a thing i was doing yeah no big deal um but decided to write an article which declared that i had a drink problem and also talked about my feelings about the country's relationship with alcohol and 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 all of that kind of stuff and it 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 really struck a nerve with a lot of people it it kind of blew up as they say um mm. i believe as the kids say <laughs> um which was great uh it was it was helpful for my family to read it and you know it it, it basically solved it saved me from telling a lot of people a lot of times and that gets boring quite quickly um and then a few people a few mutual friends a few friends kind of reached out and said, oh, you know, if you ever want to talk about it, you know, come talk to me. Um, I was kind of like, yeah, I'm all, I think I'm all right. I'm, I'm kind of okay. And then I met someone just before lockdown um, in a social situation, in a work situation, who's also sober and spoke to them and we were just chatting about it. 
And just as we were kind of leaving, I said, look, you know, if you ever want to, <laughs> quite naively said to them, oh, if you ever want to talk about it, um, here's my number, give us a call. And then the pandemic hit and, and they texted me and said, oh, I'm going on a Zoom with um, with a few sober mates and having a chat if you want to hop on. Yeah, I think you know a couple of them. Oh, okay, great. That sounds like it was the first lockdown. It's like it was either that mm. or baked banana bread, you know. <laughs> Hopped on it and uh, very quickly realised I was in an AA meeting. I was like, oh, fuck, I guess I'm in AA now. And, uh, and I... Yeah, I don't think intent. No, no maliciousness. It wasn't like it wasn't like the cult had sucked me in. It's not. It wasn't like Scientology or anything like that. Um, it took me a while to realise that as well. You know, at the end they they just launched into the Serenity Prayer. I was just like, <laughs> really? oh, oh shit, it is AA. Wow. Okay, fine. Okay, I guess I'm in AA now, um, and have been uh, part of the fellowship since then. Really, and 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 really enjoy it and find it nourishing in all senses of the word and you know i find it's great to share and it allows it's given me tools to help people as well and and you know and since lockdown it's the pandemic for me has been how many people have have needed help with their relationship with alcohol since lockdown it's been it's been it's been fascinating and sad and liberating to kind of have so many of my close friends come to me and, and ask me to help and is that how it's been people have come to you because they know that you, you know sometimes post about it or right, yeah i mean it might won't amaze you to know it won't amaze you to learn rory that i'm a bit of a gobshite and <laughs> do like to kind of like put myself out there and and give it the old me um the the article really helps so every every year on my sober anniversary i republish the article on twitter and just say my dms are open if anyone wants to talk um you know the friends that i i maintain relationships with after after going sober um, you know, I'm, it's not exactly a secret that I'm sober and, and quite vocal about it. So anyone who knows me knows that, that it's become part of my fabric and, and it's nice that people feel that they can come to me and, and ask for advice or help or both. And how do you, how do you help them? So this is all part of step 12, right? Where you, you take what you've learned. Yeah, but you know what? I've not even got through. I've, I'm so, I have you given it all the, the other day. Giving it all the big chat, um, <laughs> giving it all the big chat. I've not actually finished my steps yet. I've been so lazy. It's just like, it's, it's a lot easier on Zoom and then you've actually got to go to the meetings. So I am going to the meetings. I'm getting a sponsor and going through it and sorting it. So I, so I don't do it officially as like a, as a, as a full stepped yeah. member of, of AA. Um, although I do believe in the steps and, and, and thoroughly recommend them um, if that's your kind of thing, which I guess we'll talk about in a bit. But I help them in terms of yeah. Step twelve is is basically paying it forward. You you take your learnings mm. and you and you go off into the big wide world and you and you help those that need help. Um, kind of, I guess, probably a bit of a more relaxed, sweary approach than AA would probably recommend. You know, first and foremost, do they need medical help? Because you know, don't come talking to some rando on Twitter or or yeah. or me who we walk dogs with if you've got if you need some proper Seriously, medical help straight yeah. away so first of all it's to establish are you in danger of of, of harming yourself if you give up alcohol mm. if you stopped now would it make you ill yeah. um which is you know a couple of times they've gone yeah, you know i've said well how much are you drinking you know what does the drink lead to which nine times out of ten always leads to something else you know mm. you need to go and just check that you you'll be fine to stop and then it's and then 
it is just talking and it's just a whole lot of talking. It is sharing your story. It's finding the similarities, not the differences. It is all of those things that just work, you know, and, and there's no, you know, there are many, many different methods and many different groups and many different practices and, and teachings that people follow. And I say, whatever works for you. You know, yeah. as long as you get through that day without a drink, that's genuinely all that matters. Yeah. So speaking about getting through the day, have you found that any particular habits, you know, like you've been running recently, you've been doing your marathon. Have you yeah. found any kind of daily practices that have helped you kind of stay on a level? I think at first, the first few months of sobriety are just weird. It's, they're just like, it's like, it's genuinely like you're tripping. It's like you are on something because you're so raw. You, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing everything in such a kind of, you have this frenzy of energy and you're sleeping well for the first time. Your skin feels great. You, you, you get your, your appetite back, your sex drive back, you get your energy back. You get all, all of these things just come flooding back all at once. And it's pretty overwhelming. Um, and it can be quite it can be quite discombobulating, but it does it does calm down, you know. After you know maybe a couple of months, it just yeah. does start. You start to reach that equilibrium because as an alcoholic or someone with a drinking problem, you're used to these extreme peaks and extreme troughs. You're used to the kind of manic, frenzied, pissed up craziness, and then the rest of your life is spent either trying to hide it, recover from it, or prepare for the next one. So you you so what you end up as a non-drinker, you realise that. The, you can reach like just a happy normal equilibrium which is great but at first it's quite discombobulating and, and a bit scary um and you find that you know even things like your sugar intake just goes through the roof because mm. you know it's not until you stop drinking you realize how much of your crazy sugar, sugar you were yeah. getting from booze you know especially if you're a beer drinker you know so i found that i gave up alcohol i was just like i never had a sweet tooth before and i was just like just gorging on just anything that was sweet cakes you know it's sweets desserts you know friends fear he's drinking custard again you know it's that kind <laughs> of um it's that kind of thing it's just and so you, you have to kind of relearn a lot of stuff and, and and as anyone with any addiction or any addictive personality will know you tend to swap things out quite quickly yeah. so and that's you know you spend many years swapping out booze for drugs drugs for gambling gambling for booze booze for gambling you, know, you just you just go through the kind of like the vicious cycle so when you become sober and and and, and it is it you find all of a sudden you're just like reading like just ridiculous amounts of books you're kind of like taking up running which is all i did or you or you become quite common to, to decide to become a fitness freak so it's kind of like well hell i may as well get a benefit from all of this and this give energy and and, and and give me the endorphin and you do you get you know, an incredible amount of endorphins from it and you see results and it's kind of like you know you see the the person that you've always secretly wanted to be so it's 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 quite natural and i think it's about learning what your triggers are and learning what what your coping mechanisms are just for getting through the day and it could be taking a nap you know yeah. it could be just like going for a walk it could be reading a book it could be doing 20 press-ups um I think lockdown has been difficult because 
we haven't been in those situations. We've not been able to be in those triggering situations. There haven't been the many the weddings, the Glastonbury's, the mm. the the Friday night after work. You know those kind of things. They 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 were kind of removed from us. So anyone that kind of went sober over the past couple of years, I really feel feel for them now because as as things are starting to open up, it. I, I wonder how easy that is, or whether it's just a, a bit easier because they've had that decompression decompression at home for so long that it that everyone's kind of like trying to find their their new way through it yeah and it's definitely a lot easier to not drink like you say if you're just at home not having to say no to people at bars so, yeah <clears throat> although i, I think it, it it highlighted a lot of i think it, it you know i was in a i was at a at a meeting last night and and there was a guy who's been sober for for 10 months and it only became apparent to him in lockdown that he was a he was an addict because all of a sudden he couldn't get anything and he was just like oh my god holy shit you know it's all freely available to him and it was like all of a sudden he couldn't do it and he was just like what is the matter with it's like oh my god am i an addict it's like oh my god i'm an addict i need to go to to aa and na so so you know the flip side of it is that it 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 probably had shone a torch on a lot of people's problems as well because supply chain moved yeah. it removed the smoke screen of kind of being out for drink with drinks with the lads or five aside football or the, the Saturday night with the girls or whatever it would be all of a sudden you're at home with your other halves or your kids or your mum or your it. dad I need it's just it, like yeah. It's like shit. I still need the. I still. It wasn't the fun that I was after. It was the. It was the alcohol or the or the or the drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um. So. So yeah. What are the biggest changes that you've that you've seen? Kind of the biggest benefits that you you've noticed. Oh my god. I mean. Firstly, there's no. Everything's a benefit. And there, there are no changes. There are genuinely no changes for the worse. And I know that sounds quite preachy, yeah. um, but there really aren't. There really aren't. It's like giving up smoking. There's no downside to it. You don't. There is, and it's the biggest myth about alcohol. It's that there is no upside to being pissed. And there is no upside to drinking. It's it's a falsehood, and it helps you with your initially helps you with your self confidence or your self esteem or your self image or whatever whatever it is. But there are other mechanisms for doing that and and you don't need the alcohol to be to be that person yeah and it's really there important is, that because people think yeah. it's it's giving something up right we're giving up alcohol yeah. as if it's yeah. some 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 amazing thing but yeah it's, like not, it's say, not dumbo's magic feather it's you know it's, it's no. it is not dumbo's magic feather and there is no downside to giving it up so what have i gained i've gained everything i've gained my marriage back i've gained my relationship with my children back i've gained my health your I've many, gained, many children. My many, many children, yeah. Um, I've gained perspective. You know, I think when you're when you're a drinker or an addict, you lose perspective. Everything's everything's insanely amazing or everything's an absolute fucking disaster and it's very difficult to keep perspective on on things. Uh, I'm better at work. I'm a better, I'm a more patient person. Uh, I'm a more compassionate person, more empathetic. Um, and probably more spiritual as well, not in the tradition, you know, not in the God sense. I still don't believe in a God, but, you know, I think you can have faith in without being religious. And and I think that's, that's, that's something. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a big part of my journey and, and the way that I help people quit, quit alcohol is through meditation. And that's my version of yeah. that. It's connecting with something which you don't need to name like some people might call it God, but you might call it the 
deepest part of yourself or the stillest part of yourself, but it's something that isn't the chattering you, which is like, go on, go and do this, go and do this. It's that yeah, more exactly. that's more solid thing. Um, I just wanted to go back to your yeah, your how you feel about the, the word alcoholic. Do you do you use it? Yeah, do I do now. It took me a long time. Yeah, it took me a long time, but I do. And you know, I, I get why people don't. Um everyone's situations are different. I would advise to people to use it if they can and if they if they can bring themselves to use it because you are <laughs> if and that's this is my opinion um if you are at a place in your life where you cannot drink for the sake of your well-being you're addicted to alcohol and you should be proud and not be ashamed of saying that um mm. I'm, I'm a firm believer that it's an illness and it's a sickness. I'm a firm believer that it's genetic. I'm a firm believer of, of, of all of those things. I, I believe it. In, I believe in science uh, and progress, as Chris Martin once said. Um, and I believe that alcoholism is not something that you can avoid. Um, it, it just gets you. And the more people uh, normalise saying it, the more people will be fine with 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 seeking help for themselves. So you know, I say it because it solves it. It cuts a lot of conversations dead, and uh, it helps people. You know, I've, I've, whatever voice I've got, you know, I don't have a huge kind of profile or a huge voice, but whatever voice I've got, I like to think. Well, I, I know for a fact that fifty people a year are helped by the fact that I, I pr I'm proud to say that I'm an alcoholic and that I can offer help. That's great. So, yeah, any final tips and advice for people who, who, are, who are not sure? You know, you, you said you didn't put that label on it of alcoholic for some yeah. time. Um, I think, you know, set yourself, I think all too often when people are thinking, do I just need a break or do I, is this it? I think a fortnight is not going to do you any good. A month is not going to do you any good. I think to really find out to really find yourself, and this isn't as daunting as it sounds, give yourself a year. Mm. You know, a year is nothing in the grand scheme of things. But afford yourself the luxury of taking your time with this. And, and, and as I mentioned, the first few months are just crazy anyway because you, you go through so many chemical changes in your brain and your body changes and your, your mindset changes and your friendship groups and you have to deal with telling talking to people about it all the time and that gets really boring um to not to talk about alcoholism or, or addiction but to to go through your story you know five yeah. times a day or every time you know oh don't you drink why don't you drink you know that's why it's a lot easier just to look them in the eye and go because i'm a recovering alcoholic <laughs> and they just go Okay. <laughs> Great. Okay then. Uh, right. Fine. Uh, right. Moving on. You know, rather than the whole kind of like, you know, I just fancied a change because then they go, yeah, me too. I did. I did two weeks after coming back from B for last year, and you know, uh, you know, it yeah. just cuts it dead. Afford yourself the luxury. Give yourself the present and the and 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 the gift of of a of a year or as close to a year as you can get, and then take a reflective decision on whether or not you want to go back to 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 where you were. And just talk talk to people about it. There are more sober people out there than you know. You know, yeah, there are more surprising. It's growing, and you know, the kids yeah. kids don't drink these days. 
No, they do too much weed and eat too much, too many edibles. But but yeah. alcohol and it's like tobacco. You know, tobacco will be dead in ten years. You know, no one will smoke tobacco in ten years' time. And and I I think that alcohol is probably heading the same way. Um, so just just talk to people. It's the only real treatment for for addiction or or drinking problems or any form of of, of problems like that is to just keep talking to people because what you do by talking to people is you you're helping yourself you're saying it out you're saying your feelings out loud and also you're hearing other people's stories and it's finding the similarities in those stories rather than the differences is 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 key to the whole thing yeah great well thank you for sharing your story and talking to it with me for the listeners today and yeah great to catch up with you after all these years you too, mate. Uh, you know, if we ever, if we ever get asked back to the MTV VMAs, uh, you will be the first person I call. <laughs> awesome. I'll get you a bigger puppet. I'll get you one of those ostrich outfits that you have to. You, you won't a, lose a that. full body one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah full body one. Can't yeah. lose it. Yeah. If you're looking to change your relationship with alcohol, check out my guided meditation series, We Meditate to Quit Alcohol, and my Six Steps for Not Quite Alcoholics program, which offers motivation, meditation, and accountability to help you achieve your drinking goals. If you found this useful or interesting, please give us a rating and a review before you leave so that other people like you can find us, and share with any friends who may also find it useful.